here comes that dreamer. They said to each other, can you think of a time in your life where somebody would have said that about you? Where somebody would have looked at you and said, oh man, here they come again, head in the clouds, feet off the ground, just floating their way through life. They're, they've got all of these wild and crazy de- dreams. Maybe your dream was to be a pro athlete, right? And you were, in, you were in t-ball, and you one time hit a ball that went into the outfield, and you're like, man, I, I'm, getting this. I'm getting this going now. I got it. I, I made it all the way to first base without having to stop and catch my breath. And you're like, man, and, and, and everybody's looking at you, and they're like, wow, what a dreamer. What a, what a dreamer. You're, you're out there shooting free throws at 2 o'clock in the morning, waking the neighbors. All the dogs are barking at you, but you're out there, and you're like, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it to the NBA. Maybe, maybe you had dreams to start a business. Maybe you had dreams to get married. Uh, you know, you wanted, you wanted a, a house with a white picket fence, two and a half kids, a dog, you know, the American dream, right? You wanted to have the American dream, and so you had it all planned out. You'd been planning and scrapbooking your wedding from the time you were four years old. You knew exactly what it was going to be like. Here comes that dreamer, and all of us at one point in our lives have had dreams. We've had ideas. We've had things that we expected to happen, and then what happened? kids, a mortgage, you had to get a job, right? It wasn't exactly the job that you wanted, but you found a career, you started making a life, and pretty soon your, your dreams, the things that you wanted and the things you were expecting out of life had to be put on the back burner because of responsibility, and oftentimes these things are in conflict, aren't they? The, the dreams and then the responsibilities where you're like, you're like, okay, I know that this is what I want. I know that this is what I'm pushing towards. If I could, if I could stop everything right now and just imagine my perfect life, it would include all of these things over here, but I have all of these things over here that are holding me back. And so for some of us, circumstances dictated that we had to find new dreams, and because some of us decided that, uh, to stop, or that our dreams weren't worth it, um, we, decided, we decided to, or we, we kind of lapsed into this uh, feeling of, okay, I'm just going to exist. I'm just going to survive. Some of us, our circumstances were like that. You had a diagnosis, right, that stopped you in your tracks. You had a, an accident that all of a sudden, you had, to, you had to pay back or you had to recover from, and it took a long time, and it was your, your plans, your dreams took this wide detour around. And so today, we're going to be looking at a dreamer in the Bible. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up, up to Genesis chapter 37. We're going we're gonna to come back to this in just a second, because the next phrase that we're going to look at is his brothers saying, come now. Let's kill him. Come now, let's kill him. So, so what we see in Genesis 39 is we have, we have, here comes the dreamer. Let's get rid of him. Let's stop him in his tracks. Let's, let's hold him back. He, he's got these ideas. He's got these things, these, these, this stuff floating around in his head. We can't have that. And for some of us, life has conspired against us to crush our dreams. Life has conspired to keep us from what God has for us. And life comes at you fast, doesn't it? 
One day, you're the favorite son of 12 brothers. You've been given this awesome coat that says that you're the favorite son. You, you know, you go and check on your brothers every once in a while. You report back to your dad the, the naughty things that they're doing because you want to make sure that they're doing what they're supposed to do, right? And so, so you, go, you go back and you're, you're, you're making sure that, that they're keeping things in line, but you're the favorite. And so life can't touch you. And then all of a sudden, if you're Joseph at least, life has a way of smacking you upside the head and getting your attention again, doesn't it? And all of a sudden, he, he wasn't killed, but he was sold into slavery. And all of a sudden, his dreams vanished into thin air. What we're going to talk about today is how pain is part of the process that takes us from the promise to the palace. Now, you can blame the alliteration there on, on Pastor Tyler Soley. He actually wrote a book about this called The Pain and the Process. But we're going we're gonna to look at this idea this morning that the pain is part of the process that takes us from the promise to the palace. Genesis 37, hopefully you guys are all there. We're going we're gonna to skip through because this story covers 12 chapters in the book of Genesis. So we're going to skip through this a little bit, but we want to we focus on a, in on a few key passages Genesis 37, 3 and 4 says this, Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons, because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to them, or a kind word to him. Now how many of you guys have ever experienced that, where you just, you have people in your life that it seems like they can't speak a kind word to you? It doesn't matter how, how generous you are towards them, how much you try to get up when dinner's done and make sure the dishes are clean, how out of your way you go. It feels like they just will not say anything nice. They will not acknowledge that you exist. And so Joseph is living in a, a house or a, a tent city um, where, where he's got all of these brothers that just hate him. And part of the reason is because Jacob, his father, was, was so over the top about blessing Joseph in front of his brothers. But then, then we see, um, so he's given this coat, and this coat is a sign to the world, and it's a sign to the brothers that he's the favorite. Now, as parents, you're not supposed to have favorites, are you? We all know that you do, but you're not supposed to have a favorite. You're not at least you're not supposed to tell anybody. And certainly, you shouldn't give them a badge or a coat or a, a crown that says, "Hey, you're the you're the favorite." And I want to make sure that even when I'm not around, all of your brothers know who the favorite is. If you were the favorite, don't raise your hand right now because everybody will look at you and be jealous. But but just take a little pride in your heart, knowing that you were the favorite in your household. Genesis 5, uh, 37, 5. Joseph had a dream. So Joseph, who again is, is probably feeling pretty good about his position in life, now has a dream, and, and here's, here's the way his dreams go. He said to, uh, he, so he had a dream, and then he tells his brothers, verse 6, he said to them, listen to this dream that I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf stood upright, and all of your guys' bowed down to me. 
And that was, that was it. That was, that was the dream. I, I can't possibly imagine what that would have to do with anything, but I just thought I would tell you guys about this weird dream that I had. No, I'm, I'm guessing that Joseph probably, I, I don't want to say he rubbed it in, but, but I, I'm guessing that he probably repeated it a couple times. Hey, man, you guys are never going to believe this dream I had. Oh, did I tell you about the dream? I, I can't remember now. Did, did, I, did I say something? I, I was sleeping last night, and I had this dream. And then, you know, the next day or a few days later, verse 8, his brother said to him, oh, his brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of this dream that he had. Verse 9, then he had another dream, and he told his brothers, listen, this time, this time I had another dream, and the sun and the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. Now, this is, this is dad, mom, and 11 brothers were all bowing down to me. And he told his father this, and his father even got mad at him. He's like, hey, I know you're the favorite, but you got to cut this out. <laughs> this, is not, this is not working here. you gotta, you got to stop this. Are you suggesting that even I'm going to bow down to you? That even I and your mother are going to come and to bow down to you? His brothers were jealous of him, verse 11, but his father kept this in mind. And I'm reminded of uh, a few millennia later when Mary is talking to an angel and they're, you know, she's, she's talking about Jesus and the Bible says that she held these things in her heart. Actually, it was after the wise men came. And she, the Bible says that she held these things in her heart and she, she kept on to him. And Jacob, in the same way, holds these things inside of his head. And he says, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to think about this. I'm going to ponder this for a little bit because even though I had to yell at him in front of his brothers so he would stop talking, I, I, I can't imagine any of you have ever had to do that, even though I had to stop him in the moment, there might be something there. There might be something going on. A couple things about dreams. First of all, if you've got a dream, it's okay to be careful who you share it with. Not everybody is going to be kind to you in your dream. And so if you're thinking about a career, if you're thinking about something that God might be asking you to do, if you're thinking about uh, you know, a, 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 an opportunity that's popped up in front of you, if you've got something, if you've got a dream, it's okay to be careful who you share it with because some people are going to lift you up, right? And we love people like that who are in our corner. They've got our back. They're, they're cheering us on. They're, they're all ready to go. And then you've got other people who feel like God has gifted them to be the devil's advocate. And I'm telling you, the devil doesn't need any more advocates, right? <laughs> Some people just feel like their job in life is to pick apart all of the details and to help you figure it out. Now, they would say that they're being a realist, and there's a place for that. The Bible says that wounds from a friend can be trusted. And so there's a place for people speaking into your life in these areas. All I'm saying is be careful who you share those things with. And sometimes it's okay to let the seed grow up a little bit before you start to brag about it. I think this is the thing that Joseph missed here, is that sometimes it's okay to let that seed sit in the ground, maybe even see a, a sprout coming up before you start pointing out, hey, this is what I was talking about right here, right? Anyway, so Joseph has these dreams, and in his, in his zeal, in his excitement, he shares them with his brothers, which unfortunately pushes his brothers away. 
So their jealousy gets, gets the best of them in verses 19 and 20, and they decide to kill him. So they see Joseph coming down the road. They look at each other like, oh, here comes that dreamer. Come, let's kill him, and then we won't have to listen to his, his blabbering anymore. We won't have to listen to all of this nonsense anymore. We can get rid of these dreams once and for all. Let's kill him, and we'll take care of the, the problem. So they push him in a pit. Um, for those of you guys, uh, you guys can go ahead and read this story later. Uh, eventually, they're sitting there trying to figure out what to do, and some slave traders come along, and Judah says to the rest of the group, he says, hey, um, you know, if we kill him, we don't get anything for it. On the other hand, there's a caravan coming right now. We could, we could make a little bit of money, and we don't have to get our hands quite as dirty if we just sell him into slavery. So they decide to do that, and now Joseph is on his way to Egypt. And what happened to his dreams? And where did his dreams end up? Now that he's been betrayed and backstabbed, his favorite coat was taken away from him. And now he's on his way to Egypt in possession of slave traders. Um, so they, they uh, this is just kind of a little side note, but they take J J Joseph's robe, they dip it in blood, they take it back to their father. Pay attention to the clothing changes that happen in this story because it's kind of interesting to see how Joseph's position changes based on the clothes that he's wearing or how his clothes become a symbol of the things that are happening. Have you guys ever had a perfect afternoon planned out where you're like, okay, we are going to get up, we're going to, you know, we're going to take our time getting ready in the morning. We're going to pack a picnic lunch. We're going to go out to such and such a place. We're going to have fun. We're going to enjoy ourselves. It's going to be the perfect afternoon. Maybe it's out at the lake. Maybe it's at the ski slopes. Maybe it's at a ball game. You're like, I know that I've got the perfect afternoon planned. One time, uh, this was when, when Judah was, uh, did we say four months old or 11, 11 months old? Uh, 11 months old, uh, Tiffany and I took the kids to Hawaii. We went on vacation there, and we decided we were going to drive up to one of the volcanoes. And so we had this perfect afternoon all planned out with an 11-month-old baby, which should have been our first, uh, first warning right there, first red flag. Maybe don't decide what the perfect afternoon is going to be if you've got an 11-month-old. So we, we get in the car, we get in the rental, and we're, we're driving up the side of this volcano, and it was at that point that we discovered just how carsick Judah can get. Because the first time, uh, and yes, I said first time, uh, there, was, there was projectile vomiting all over the back seat. We have to pull over to the side of the road. We, we use up, you know, we change his clothes. We get, use up half of our baby wipes trying to get the rental car cleaned out. We have to drive with the windows down now because, you know, it is. And, uh, and so we're, we're driving up the side of the volcano, and then time number two happens, and now we're on our emergency backup pair of clothes. And I don't know how many times we had to stop going up and down that volcano, but I'm telling you guys, by the time we got to the top, any idea that I had of a perfect afternoon was out the window. Any idea that I had that this is going to be great, I'm like, hey, you know, let's get out of the car, let's go into the gift shop, let's go up, you know, we'll see the thing, and then let's get back in the car and we'll head back. 
Because, because by the time we got to the top, I was so frazzled, I was so upset, that my idea of a perfect afternoon was out the window. And in the same way, Joseph had this dream. And suddenly it got vomited all over, and now he had to change clothes as he's on his way to Egypt. Then one day, one day, so Joseph is in Egypt now. He's, he's, uh, gets sold to a man named Potiphar, and God is actually, the Bible tells us that God is with him while he's in Potiphar's house. He starts, he starts, you know, probably starts off mopping floors or something like that, you know, sweeping the dirt or I don't know. And, and he's, he's taking care of camels. I don't know what he's doing. But, but people start to recognize that whatever he does prospers. Man, this guy's got a great attitude. He's got a good work ethic. He's, he, you know, he, he came to us and he seemed a little bit spoiled, but he's corrected that right away. He seems educated. He seems like he knows what's going on. Let's, let's go ahead and promote him. Let's give him a spot inside the house where he can take care of the, the family. He can take care of, make sure that everything is cleaned, everything is tidy, make sure that people are where they're supposed to be. Now let's put him in head in charge of all of the slaves. And he, so he keeps getting these promotions inside of Potiphar's house. And then one day, and then one day, and Joseph's already had one of these days, but now he gets a second one. Where, where we see that, that one day, verses, this is chapter 39, verses 11 and 12, one day, he's in Potiphar's house. Everybody say one day. One day, he's in Potiphar's house, and he's cornered, and he's pressured, and the wife, Potiphar's wife, says to him, come to bed with me. And the Bible records earlier in this, in this chapter that this had been a repeated pattern that Joseph had constantly pushed back and, and resisted her advances, but, but she, she keeps going. And, and one day, they find themselves in the house alone, and Potiphar's wife decides that this is her moment. Joseph again resists. This time, he takes to running away from the situation because he doesn't want to be tempted because he knows that even though he's in a strange land, he knows that even though his life has taken a detour from where he expected it to be, he knows that God is still with him. And he knows that God is working on his behalf. And he sees how God is over and over again blessing him, promoting him, even in the place of his suffering. So he says, I don't want to mess this up. I don't, want to, I don't want to do anything that I'm going to regret later. I don't want to cause conflict between myself and Potiphar, so I'm out of here. I'm going to run. But the problem is, is that he leaves his coat behind. So this is, this is coat change number two, right? He leaves his coat behind, and for the second time, his coat is used to lie about him. The first time, his coat was used to say, look, he's dead. See, it's covered in blood. This time, his coat is used as evidence to say he was trying to take advantage of me. And we need to throw him in prison. And so now, again, one day, man, and I, sometimes that's all it takes is one day for your dreams to change on a dime. One accident, one diagnosis, one thing that happens, and all of a sudden, your head is spinning. You're trying to catch your breath. You don't even know what just happened. And you find yourself going from the promise to the pit now you're stuck in the prison. And if there was ever a time to give up on our dreams, if there was ever a time to give up on the dreams, it was now. 
But here's the truth. God wants to promote us. God wants to see us blessed. But he's not looking for skill. He's looking for faithfulness. We're going to come back to this in a couple minutes. But, but this is what we see in Joseph's life here, is that, that God was looking for somebody to be faithful to him and to do what he said he was going to do. If there was ever a time to give up on the, tree, on the dream, it was now. So you're never going to believe verse 21 when it says that again the Lord was with him. How could God be with him in this? How could God, up in heaven, looking down, possibly have his hand in what's going on? I don't know if you've ever felt like that in your life. Hopefully you've got some, some things that are even running around in, in your head right now. I mean, I remember, I, I remember multiple times. I, I well... Um, here's the truth. This may make some of you look, look at me badly, but, but it's okay. It's the truth. It's my story. Um, I've been, I've been fired from every ministry position that I've been involved in. Um, the board, when they hired me, knew that. I was very upfront and honest with everybody, so they're, they're aware that this has happened. But back in 2002, 2001, back in 2001, uh, Tiffany and I got a ministry position in Plain, Washington, where, where we, were, um, we were youth pastors slash janitors. That was, our, that was our role. And it was a full-time position. It was great. We were, we were super excited about what God wanted to do. I was fresh out of school at the time. I was, I was just ready to see what God was going to do. And, and so we go there. Tiffany is pregnant with Caden at the time, so she starts having complications. We're in Plain, Washington, which is, you know, 15 minutes outside of Leavenworth. There's not even a hospital in Leavenworth. The closest hospital is Wenatchee. We decide it's December. We decide if it snows and she's having complications, we want her to be close to a hospital. So we send her to her parents' house in Lake Stevens, which is about three hours away from where we were. And a couple times a week now, I'm driving back and forth over the pass in November and December, trying to get to um, trying to get to see my wife, who's you know living with her parents again. It's it's a miserable situation. She's having doctor's appointments regularly. I just want to get back there and be with her. And one day, my my senior pastor calls me up, and I go. We actually uh, there was two parsonages and then the church, and they all shared a shared a parking lot. So I went to his house, which was just across the parking lot from where I lived, and I notice as I'm getting closer that the vice president of the board, his truck is out in front of the house as well, and, and I'm like, okay, what's, what's going on here, but uh, I'd only been at the church for two and a half months, so everything, you know, I'm sure they wanted to talk to me, but we'll get it figured out. Well, it turns out the figuring it out was, hey, this isn't working out, and we're going to have to let you go. You're not, you're not focused here. You're not connecting with people. And, you know, on and on and on. I ended up learning some great things from that, from that experience. The truth is I, I had a lot of growing to do in my life. And, and so I, I've seen God use that to help mold me and shape me. But for two and a half years after that, I didn't have the thing that I felt like God was calling me to do. And so I went literally from, from you know, the, the dream to, 
realizing my dream. I'm like, okay, I'm in it now. God's going to change the entire area of plain. There's 5,000 people out in the woods somewhere there. Um, and God is going to, to bring revival to this area. And now I'm back in Marysville. I'm back working at a wrecking yard. I'm living in an apartment, trying to figure out how to, how to pay a car payment for a, a car that I shouldn't have bought when I thought I was going to have more money. Uh, you know, and all of these things derailed me. And I'm trying to figure out how do I, how do I pick up the pieces? How do I get back to where I feel like God is calling me to be? Now, for a lot of you guys, you've been in a similar position. Some of you, I think, even were called into ministry at one point. And then life got in the way. Things happened. Things changed. And now you find yourself years later and you've just kind of pushed it to the back burner, you've pushed it off, and you've decided that it's not worth pursuing. God is looking for us to be faithful in the hard times. God is looking for us to be there during those times. Like I said, I, I had a lot of growing to do. After that, uh, after that time that I was let go, I, I went back, I I, I took their words to heart. I invested. I, I started a small group at our church, um, Marysville First Assembly. Now it's the Grove Church. I started a, uh, a small group there for junior hires, and I was like, I'm going to figure out how to pour into these kids, how to bless these kids, how to minister to these kids. And if I can do this, then God's going to see me in my time of need. So Joseph goes from the promise to the pit to the prison and we see, again, in chapter 39, let's see, chapter 39, verse 21, the Lord was with him and showed him kindness. And he's in prison. He's stuck. He's stuck. He has no freedom anymore. He has no life anymore. And yet God used this situation in his life to change something inside of him. The Lord is with him, showed him kindness, and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. Now, I don't know how many prisons operate like this, where they just start putting prisoners in charge, but I'm guessing they're few and far between. But the prisoner, the jailer, saw something in Joseph that said, this is a man who is faithful. This is a man who does what he's supposed to do. This is a man who is, is educated. He's, he's well-liked. He's, he's you know, got all of these qualities. I'm going to promote him, even though I can't release him. I'm going to make sure that I take advantage of his giftings that God has given him. And so he finds himself then in the prison, and yet God is still with him. Now we're going to skip over to chapter 41 because it, it gives us a timeline for this. 41.1, it says, when two full years had passed. When two full years had passed with Joseph being in prison. And it's got to be frustrating for Joseph, even though it seems like God is blessing him, to be like, I'm not in the place that God has called me to be. And I don't know when I'm going to get out. There's a, a couple of people in the prison. They have a dream. Joseph interprets those dreams correctly. As they're leaving, he says, hey, remember me. Tell Pharaoh about me. And of course, they forget. And then he's still stuck in prison. He's still waiting for God to come through in his life. And then chapter 41 happens. 
And now Pharaoh is the one with the dreams. And now Pharaoh is the one who's trying to figure out what's going on. And he, he believes that, that God is speaking to him through these dreams. And he's like, I need somebody that can help tell me what God is saying. So Genesis 41, 41 and 42, well actually before that, uh, the Bible records how, how Joseph has another, another clothing change. The Bible says that, that Pharaoh calls for Joseph. He, he shaves. He puts on new clothes. Another clothing change. He goes in to Pharaoh's court. Pharaoh tells him his dreams. Joseph interprets the dreams. And then verse 41 says this. It says, So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. So now one day is not a bad thing for Joseph, but now one day is something spectacular, something amazing. And, and we have to ask ourselves, if we look at the, the, the counterfactual, if we look at the other side of the argument, we have to ask ourselves, what would have happened if Joseph would have just sat in that prison and waited to be released? If he would have had a bad attitude, if he would have been throwing stuff around, if he would have started yelling at people, if he would have ignored his fellow prisoners if he would have just decided that this is all there is in life, where would Joseph have ended up? And yet the Bible says here that because he was faithful, because he held fast to what God was calling him to do, because he made the best of every situation that he was placed in, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes. This is another clothing change here. So now he's moved from being like a, a, an advisor to now he is in charge of the kingdom. And, and he's got the, the ring and he's got the ro robes and he's got the seal or the, the chain to prove it. And now all of a sudden, everybody's bowing down to him. Everywhere he goes, people listen to him. We don't have time right now to go into the, the famine and, and all of those things. Um, but hopefully you guys will take time to go back and read through these chapters to, to really study them out because God does some amazing things here. But what I want to do is I want to, uh, first of all, reiterate again, the pain is part of the process that takes us from the promise to the palace. You see, Joseph had this dream but it was never going to be a straight line. It was never going to go from point A to point B, and that was it. Instead, God took him from point A to the pit, to slavery, to the prison, to point B. And I'm guessing that some of you have had similar experiences in life. You had a dream. You had an idea. You had something that was in your head that you were like, I know this is what God is calling me to do. And then you hit a speed bump. You hit a roadblock. There was a mountain that you had to drive around. There was something that happened that caused you to stop in your tracks. And God's question for you today is, are you going to be faithful to what God has promised you? Because the Bible says that the promises of God are yes and amen. The Bible says that when he makes a promise to us, he's going to fulfill it. That we can trust him because he always comes through. Amen? We can trust him. So are you going to be faithful to the promise that God has given you? 
The pain is part of the process that takes us from the promise to the palace. I want to um, show you guys one more thing. So, so what ends up happening, just really quick recap of the story. Pharaoh has these dreams. Joseph interprets the dreams. They decide, uh, or Joseph you know, says that, that there's going to be seven years of good harvest, and then there's going to be seven years of famine. He tells the Pharaoh, you should store up grain for the seven good years so that you have enough to last for the seven bad years. Eventually, the famine spreads throughout the whole land and even through Egypt and then even into the land of Canaan where Jacob and Joseph's brothers are. There's famine there. They hear that there's grain in Egypt. They send the sons down to Egypt. There's kind of some, some back and forth where uh, Joseph is um, maybe trying to get a little bit of revenge or he's, he... he, he play some games with his brothers, eventually reveals to his brothers, I'm Joseph. And all of this has happened exactly as God intended. Even the pit. Even the prison. All of this happened exactly as God has intended. Genesis 41, uh, right after Joseph is put in prison, there's kind of this little little scene break where, where Joseph, you know, it's, it's kind of recording, okay, here's what the next seven years of Joseph's life looked like. In verses 51 and 52, it says this. It says, uh, well, verse 50, before the years of famine came, two sons were bo- born to Joseph by the daughter of Potiphar, a priest of On. Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh. Now, I want you to listen to the reason that he names his boys these things. Uh, Manasseh, it says, it sounds like or may be derived from the Hebrew word for forget. And this is the reason that he names his son forget. He says, verse 51, it is because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. All of the bad things that happened to me, God has made me forget it. Now, we're going to take some time here in just a minute to open up the altars and pray. And if you need help forgetting if you need God to come and help you to forgive and to forget those things that have happened to you, we're going to pray for you today that God would help you to get back on track with the dreams that God has placed inside of you. God made him forget all of those things that happened. And then verse, uh, verse 52, the second son, he named Ephraim. And Ephraim is a, a, sounds like a Hebrew word. It says, for twice fruitful twice fruitful. His logic there is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. Even, even in this moment when, when Joseph is the king over everything, his dream still hasn't been completely fulfilled, has it? His brothers haven't come yet. His dad and mom haven't come yet. And so Joseph is in this in-between time where he says, he says, God has made me fruitful, but this still isn't the promise. This still isn't the thing that God had for me. He says, he says, but even in my suffering, God has held me strong. God has made me fruitful. I saw in slavery how God came through and God, God promoted me in the midst of my slavery. I saw in the prison how God promoted me in the midst of the prison. I see now, even in Egypt, even where you know, I'm away from my family, I'm away from all these things, God has promoted me. Again, God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. I'm praying that for some of you guys today, this is your testimony. 
that when you look back on your dreams, when you look back on the things that God has called you to, that this is your testimony to say God has made me fruitful along the way. That I can look back and I can see God's hand in my life, even like the story that I told a little bit earlier about how God spoke to me in that moment when I was let go and when I'm back in in, uh, Marysville. I mean, guys, you know, your head starts spinning at that point. You're like, I don't know if this is what God is calling me to do. I don't know if this is what God wants for me. But God used that situation to speak into my life. God used that situation to challenge me about being more relational in the way that I minister to people. God used that situation to help me understand that sometimes you have to walk with people slowly through a process. You can't just dump everything on them all at once. And and God used that situation in my life to teach me all sorts of things. And I'm praying for you guys today that that'll be your testimony as well. That in your suffering, in your trial, in your detour, that God has made you fruitful. And then Genesis chapter 50. This is kind of the conclusion of the story. This is after Jacob has died. Uh, the, the brothers are down in Egypt now. Joseph has got them set up with a to live. And they're worried that now that Jacob has passed away, that Joseph might try to get revenge on them. And so they come back to, to Joseph. They kind of make up this little thing about, hey, dad said that you're supposed to still take care of us, even though, even though, you've, you know, even though he's gone. And um, verse 19 and 20 says this, but Joseph said to them, don't be, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? In other words, am I the one that's supposed to get revenge? Am I the one that's supposed to figure this out? No. Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me. Your goal, your, your plan, what you wanted to do was to say, first of all, you wanted to kill me. And then you decided you could make some money off of it. So you decided to sell me in sl- into slavery. Instead, you intended for me to be gone forever but God. I, I, love, I love that phrase whenever I see it repeated in the Bible. <laughs> whenever you see there's a hard time, there's something, something happening, my life feels like it's been a detour, I feel like I can't get traction in what God is calling me to do but God. But God. And so we're going to look in our lives for these but God moments where it shows us that we're on the right track. It shows us that God has called us. It shows us that even in the midst, even in the land of our suffering, God wants us to be fruitful. You intended it for evil, but God. But God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. And two whole nations or more were saved because of what the brothers did. Now, it's hard to, it's hard to um, uh, pat them on the back for selling their brother into slavery, being like, hey, you listened to God, and, and you did exactly what God called, called you to do. No, we don't, we don't believe that. Instead, instead, we know that God used that bad situation to get Joseph where he needed to be, right? So he's not, he's not excusing the brothers in this moment, but he's explaining that, that it's okay I've forgiven you. I forgot, right? That's, that was his firstborn son. I, I've put all of these things behind me because I know that God was using this to bring about the salvation of at least two nations. The pain 
is a part of the process that takes us from the promise to the palace. And here's how Jesus said it. Matthew chapter 25. He said, in all of these things, he's telling a story about sheep and the goats. And he's telling the story about how we're going to come before and we're going to stand before God someday. And we're going to look at him and God is going to challenge us. God is, God is going to challenge us. And when he does, we want him to look at us and say, well done, good and faithful servant. And that's what God is looking for today. Will you be faithful to what he's calling you to do so that when you stand in front of him someday, he's going to look at you even if the dream doesn't come to pass the way you expected it to. Even if you feel like you've placed it on the back burner and you don't know if you can come back to it now. Even in spite of all of the things that have happened to you, will you be faithful in what God has called you to do? I'm going to have Pastor Tiffany go ahead and join me up on stage. We're going to take time right now just to, just to focus on this idea of dreams and what God is calling us to do. Father God, I just ask right now, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts. God, that you, would, that you would plant in us new dreams. God, that for those of us that have forgotten what you might have called us to do, God, I pray that, that Lord, we would, we would come back to that dream. We would be reminded of that dream again. And God, for those that feel like God has never spoken to them, for those that feel like they've never gotten that dream, they've never had that direction, God, I pray that you would place something inside of them today. Lord, speak to our hearts right now. God, help us to, to be uh, um, uh, restored, God, or revived or reminded of the things that you've called us to do. God, I pray that you would speak to us right now in Jesus' name. And I'm just going to ask right now, as we continue to pray all across this place, some of you guys in here, you have, have felt distant from God for one reason or another. Maybe it's the pain. Maybe it's the process and you didn't understand. And so you walked away from God in this season of your life. I want to encourage you to come back to him now. I want to encourage you that there is a God out there that loves you, has a plan for your life. He knows the plans that he has for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. We want you to come back to him right now. Maybe you're watching us online today and you feel like there's a distance between you and God. We want to give you an opportunity today to come back to him. So in just a minute, I'm going to count to three and I'm going to have you raise your hand all across this place and we're going to pray together and believe that God is, is bringing us back to him. Now what the Bible says is that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But because God loved us so much, he sent his only son to die for us so that we might be forgiven, so that our dreams might be restored, so that we might have new life in him. If you're here in this place today and you need that closeness with God again, you need to come back to God again, I'm going to count to three and I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. If you're watching us online, click the link in the chat. We want to connect with you. We want to make sure that nobody walks alone. If you're here in, the, in this place right now, I'm going to count to three. I'm going to have you guys go ahead and raise your hand high. If you want to give your heart to Jesus, if you want to be, be brought back into relationship with him again, ready? One, two, three. All across this place, if there's anybody in here, you would signify by raising your hand, I want to give my heart to Jesus today. I want to come back to relationship with him. Go ahead and raise your hand high 
right now. If you're watching us online, make sure to click the link in the chat so that we can connect with you, so that we can follow up with you. Is there anybody in here? I want to give just one more minute. All right. After service, if you would like to know more about following Jesus, we're going to have somebody at our next steps counter. It's to your guys' back left. We're going to have somebody over there at the next steps counter. We want to pray with you. We want to encourage you. We've got some resources for you. So if you want to know more about what it means to follow Jesus, make sure to head back there right after service, and we're going we're gonna to get you what you need. We're going to rejoice with you that God is doing something in your life. For the rest of us in here, I'm going to have us go ahead and in just a second stand to our feet. We're going we're gonna to give some time to come down to the altars. We're going to give some time to see God either reignite the dreams that have been lost or to place a new dream inside of us. I know that God has called each of us to see, uh, to see his will, his purpose advance. We've been talking about it for the last couple weeks, how God wants to partner with us. And I believe that just like God wants to partner with us individually, God also wants to partner with us as a church. And so we've got dreams here as a church to see this be a place where people can come who are struggling with addictions and find freedom. We want to believe that this is a place where marriages can be brought back together. We want to believe that, that God is going to use this, this community that he's put together to encourage people, to strengthen people, that those that are dealing with mental illness would have a place where they can connect, where they can belong, where those that are, that are feeling called into ministry can have a launching place to be able to go. We believe that God is calling us to all of these things. What is God calling you to do today? What's the dream that God has given you? I'm going to have our, our prayer partners come down. They're going to stand off to, off to your left over here. And in just a minute, uh, if you want specific prayer for something, they're going to be available. Otherwise, if you just want to come down front and pray, we're going to flood these altars this morning. We're going to believe God that he's got something that he wants to do in our hearts. And we're going to believe God that he is going to make a way that he is going to figure things out. And whether we're, whether we're just starting to dream or we've found ourselves in the pit or in prison, we're going to trust him that he knows exactly what he's doing today. Father God, I just ask right now, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts, God. Help us, God. Give us the boldness to take a step of faith this morning. God, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you guys go ahead and stand to your feet. Prayer partners, if you would come join me down front. And Pastor Tiffany, if you would lead us in this song. Move now. Come down here. And we believe that God is going to give us new dreams or reignite these dreams in our hearts today. Go ahead and come down to the altars at this time.